0: Welcome to the Valleybrook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our Big Church Sermon Series. This series looks at the movement that began 2000 years ago that would circle the globe and leave its mark on individuals and cultures of every continent. It brings to life the story of the local church. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We'd love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select contact us, and send us an email. Do you know why you're here this morning? Maybe your spouse made you get up and come to church, or maybe your mom did, or if you're a student, maybe you came to see somebody special, or maybe you came because it's Sunday, and that's what you do on Sundays. One of those reasons may be the reason that you're here today, but that's not the big reason why you are ultimately here today. The big reason is that You are here today is because something happened that launched this movement we call the church. And the ultimate reason why you and I are here today is that something is that Jesus died and rose from the dead to make a way to God for all who believe in him. And he told everyone who were eyewitnesses to tell the world about what they had seen. See, here's Jesus' big idea, that he is the only way to God. And it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that the church was born. And it's around this big idea that believers gather everywhere in the world today. That's the big idea. Now, from the first day of the church, when people who believed in Jesus gathered together, the church was a multicultural, multiplying movement with a specific mission to make followers of Jesus. I said this last week. Along the way, some believers have gotten off task and they tried to make the church something else. They tried to make it about a place or a building or about people, but it's always been about Jesus and people coming to know Jesus and being saved for eternity. You see, those early believers knew that something happened after Jesus died, that he rose again to save humankind and make a way to God so that we could have a relationship with God. And since they believed that they could know God and have a relationship with God, they believed they could talk to God in prayer. And they believed that God would answer those prayers. And in that belief, they prayed big and bold prayers expecting that God would answer them. They were prayers about what God wanted to do. So on the day the church was born, let me just give you a a reminder of what happened. 3,000 people embraced Jesus as Messiah. Now there was a lot of energy in the city because Jewish people from all over the known world had gathered in Jerusalem to celebrate the Jewish festival of Pentecost and they were lingering around for a few days and so a few days after the day the church was born Peter and John two of the disciples were headed up to the temple and a man who was lame asked them for help and they healed him and people gathered around to see this miracle and Peter saw an opportunity so he started preaching about the resurrection And it says more people came to faith in Christ. In fact, Scripture says 5,000 men, that's not including women and children, came to faith in Christ. Now, think this through. Scholars say that the city of Jerusalem would have swelled to maybe 60 or 70,000 people for the festival of Pentecost. But now, over 10% of the population believed in Jesus. The temple leaders The religious leaders and and the political leaders were disturbed. They were scared. They were concerned because Peter and John and the other apostles kept talking about the resurrection. So they had Peter and John arrested and thrown in jail. And the next day, they came to interview them, and Peter again started preaching about the resurrection. And he finished his words by saying this, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to humankind by which we must be saved. That was Jesus' big idea in a nutshell. Peter was saying it. And what he was saying, while it was true, was inflammatory to those leaders of Israel. Now, remember this. Jesus' big idea that I talked about in last week's message was about Jesus being the only way to God. And this statement that, that, that Peter puts in his own words, that salvation is found in no one else, that there's no other name under heaven by which we may be saved, that was big and bold and it was radical. Now, I think we all understand it was big and bold. Jesus made big and bold statements about himself all the time. He's the son of God. He can do that about himself. But it was also narrow. And you may think it's narrow, But again, this is Jesus saying, listen, nobody comes to the Father. Nobody comes to God unless they come through me. And today, with that big idea, followers of Jesus are gathered all around the world to worship the fact that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. Now, what happens next in the book of Acts leads to some big prayers. Let me read what Luke wrote in Acts chapter 4. It says, when the leaders of Jerusalem saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And so, They saw the man who was healed standing before them, and there was nothing they can say, and they called in Peter and John, and they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. It was because of public pressure that these authorities didn't punish Peter and John, but they did threaten them, and they warned them, sort of a slap on the wrist. They warned them not to share the message anymore. Now, Peter and John rushed back to their core group, but while they were away, the core group was quite anxious. I mean, remember, Jesus was crucified, so they thought that Peter and John may be crucified also. But when they came back, they were excited to see them, and when they heard what Peter and John had to say, they were even more excited, and they began to pray, and Luke records the essence of their prayer later in Acts chapter 4. Let me read it to you. They raised their voices together in prayer to God, saying, Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. And you said, Why do the nations rage and the people's pot in vain? Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your Holy Spirit, Jesus. Wow. That was a big, bold, brave prayer. In fact, it was life-changing after experiencing that kind of persecution. This prayer was centered on sharing Jesus' big idea and helping people come to faith in Jesus. You ever think about your own prayers? Do you pray big, bold prayers like that? Most of us pray safe prayers. We pray for our families and for our safety and for sick people. That's what most of our prayers are about. You you know, I can only imagine what God thinks when we get together and we pray only for situations and for safety and for sickness. God's probably saying, really, folks, is that as big and as bold as you can get? I think we dishonor who God is when we pray wimpy, faithless prayers that oftentimes God doesn't even have to involve himself in. We dishonor God when we pray for temporary earthly things that aren't going to last rather than praying for eternal things that will last forever. Look at what those believers prayed for. They prayed for boldness so they could honor God as his witnesses regardless of persecution they prayed that God would help them go back out there and tell other people that salvation is found only through faith in Jesus Christ now they did pray for people to be healed and they prayed that they'd be able to do miraculous signs and wonders but it wasn't for their personal benefit it was so people would see this and be drawn to them and hear the message of salvation about Jesus Christ and be saved think this through these Christ followers had been persecuted. And in response to their persecution they, that could negatively affect their livelihoods and reputations and even their lives, they prayed not for protection, not for the persecution to go away. They prayed for boldness. Isn't it strange that you and I live in one of the safest, most free countries in the world? And most of us live in some of the safest neighborhoods in this world in this country and our prayers still seem to center around our situations and our safety and our sicknesses. Isn't it odd we live in a culture where it will cost us nothing to share boldly about Jesus and yet we lack boldness. There was a time when followers of Jesus were fueled by the conviction that everybody spends eternity somewhere. And the ultimate expression of following Jesus was this unusual kind of love that would love everybody, even enemies, so as to be able to share the good news of Jesus with them. And so they prayed for boldness to share the message so people would be saved for eternity. Pastor Andy Stanley writes, If the early church had been safety conscious and concerned about their personal rights instead of bold, the message of Jesus would have disappeared within six months of the resurrection. Now listen to what Luke said after they prayed these prayers. He says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's grace was powerfully at work in them. Did you get that? the room was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke the word of God boldly. There was an outbreak of generosity and they continued to testify that Jesus is the only way to God. And they did that all because they prayed big, bold prayers, expecting God to answer them. And they moved forward in faith, expecting great things. The great pastor of the 18th of the eighteenth century, Charles Spurgeon, grew one of the largest churches in history with over 10,000 weekly attenders in downtown London. Now, this was before the megachurch movement of the 1990s. During his pastorate, an American pastor traveled all the way across the Atlantic Ocean to learn his secret. Spurgeon told the pastor, there's no secret. But if he had to identify one thing, it would be what happens in the basement of the church every week. And he walked down to the basement with that pastor and he showed them 300 people on their faces praying as the service went on upstairs. It's said that Spurgeon rarely preached without hundreds of people on their faces asking God to send the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to read you a quote from Spurgeon about the importance of Praying big, bold, expectant prayers. This is what he wrote. He said, The prayer meeting is an institution which ought to be very precious to us and to be cherished very much by us as a church, for to it we owe everything. When our, comparatively, little chapel was all but empty, was it not a well-known fact that the prayer meeting was always full? And when the church increased and the place was scarcely large enough, it was the prayer meeting that did it all. And when they needed a bigger hall, we prayed for one. And indeed, we entered into a larger hall. What cries and tears went up to heaven for our success? And so it has been ever since. It is the spirit of prayer. It is in the spirit of prayer that our strength lies. And if we lose this, The locks will be shorn from the head of Samson and the church of God will become weak as water. Did you get that? He said, we owe everything to prayer. There's no secret to the Holy Spirit's power. It's a promise God holds out to all who seek it through persistent prayer. Let's talk about What happened because of these big and bold prayers. Big and bold things happened. Pastor Andy Stanley has said something to this effect, and I paraphrase it, how a church prays indicates whether it has strayed from Jesus' big idea. Let me say that again. How a church prays indicates whether it has strayed from Jesus' big idea. See, how you and I pray indicates whether we believe in a big God who calls the church to do big things that we're supposed to ask for boldly. And what's the biggest thing he calls us to ask for boldly? He calls us to persistently pray for the salvation of men and women that we know and all over the world. Now, what I'm about to say may step on some toes, so let me just apologize up front. A lot of our prayers are all about us. They're all about our situations. They're all about our safety. They're all about our sickness. Now, I pray those prayers and you pray those prayers, but I can only imagine what all the saints in glory think when they're looking down from heaven. You know, I think about Stephen, the first martyr of the church. He must say, really, when he hears us praying prayers for safety? I mean, after all, he was stoned to death for sharing Christ. And I I think about Mary Magdalene, who suffered so much for following Jesus. When she looks down from heaven at us, praying for our colds and for our flus, she must shake her head after all she went through. In fact, I suspect all of heaven must look at our Lord Jesus Christ expectantly when we pray, sort of saying, God, Lord, what are they praying about? We need to be praying for people to become followers of Jesus, to be saved for eternity. See, here's the big picture. If a Christ follower gets sick and dies, they're going to heaven. But if someone who doesn't believe in Jesus gets sick gets sick and dies, they aren't going to heaven. So we need to understand and embrace the urgency of getting the gospel to as many people as possible who are facing an eternity separated from God. We need to be praying for the Holy Spirit to send revival in this church and in every church, in this town and in every town, in this state and in all states, in this country and in all countries around the world. But maybe we don't pray boldly like that because some of us have forgotten the difference Christ made in our lives. Maybe we've forgotten what it was like to be without hope. Maybe we've forgotten what it's like to be, to no longer have wonder when we think about where we stand with God. Maybe we've forgotten that some of us struggle with faith. You know, some of us have known Jesus all of our lives. Uh, We've never known life without hope. We've never wondered where we stood with God, but maybe we've, become just too busy and too distracted by life to pray those big, bold prayers. Maybe our vision for what God wants to do has become the size of us instead of the size of God. Maybe our prayers have become too sanitary and too safe. I want you to think about your own prayers for a moment. Who and what are they mostly about? I suspect they're mostly about you and your family and the sick people you know. You know, those are great prayers, but they're small-minded. I mean, you ever feel like your prayers just don't get out of the room, that they bounce against the ceiling? Maybe it's because they don't really require God's intervention or attention. Maybe they're not big enough. They're not God-sized prayer. So let me be bold with you. Chances are, if you pray like most Christians and God answered all your prayers that you prayed this past year, the only difference in your life would be that some of you might be married now. Some of your kids would have gotten into the schools they wanted to get into. Some of you would have a better job. Some of you kids would have better grades. Your relatives would be healed. If God answered your, all, all of your prayers, the only people who would have benefited were you and your family. That's not a big prayer. That's not a bold prayer. That's small. That's self-centered. That's not asking God to do something God-sized. We need to begin to pray bigger, bolder, God-honoring prayers. Why? Because we are the church for this generation and that's how we've been called to pray. It's time we pray for boldness. It's time we start looking for opportunities to tell people about Jesus. That's what made the church a movement rather than an institution. That's where God shows up. Seriously, are you sorry that someone told you about Jesus? Are you sorry That someone invited you to church or or gave you a book or a CD that helped you understand what Jesus was all about? Aren't you glad that someone was bold enough and prayed a big enough prayer for you and your salvation? If you aren't a follower of Jesus and you wonder why Christians just can't leave people alone, well, here's the deal we're called to share with people about Jesus. But if not many Christians are telling you about Jesus, it's because most of us are undercover. Ultimately, every follower of Jesus believes this. It's John three sixteen: For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And we believe that truth and that everybody needs to know it. It's time that we pray big, bold prayers that we would be able to share the life-saving information of Jesus with our friends and family and our co-workers and our acquaintances. You know, we're in this season as a church where I'm calling us to pray for revival to start in our lives and in our church and in our community and in our state and in our nation and around the world. In fact, for the next 21 days, I'm inviting you to join us every day to pray, to gather and pray for this to happen in our midst. Now, this morning, as I close, I want to pray something with you. I want to pray the same prayer that the early church prayed. So let's pray it aloud in faith and power, and let's pray it like we mean it, not like Charlie Brown's teacher that goes, blah, 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 blah. Let's really pray it big and bold with seriousness. Here we go. Enable me to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of Jesus. Amen.